This is Leva Bates, AEW's librarian, co-host of the Geek Soapbox, renowned Twitch partner, and a two-time Flower City Comic Con guest. And you are listening to Gaming Street Irregulars. But you better listen to my show first. I'm just saying. Thanks. Good afternoon, good evening, good whatever time of day it is when you listen to this. Welcome once again to Gaming Street Irregulars. My name is James Iris, joined as always by Chrissy Harding. Hi everyone! (laughs) And before we dive into our main topic, I want to introduce a new feature. I'm catching Chrissy completely off guard with this. Which is normal. (laughs) This is not going to be a weekly feature like this day in gaming history, but as I find them... It's take a uh, moment, yeah. breathe. You know what? As I what? find them, oh, here it is. Here it is. <laughs> As it runs away from James. Yeah, it, I, apparently it does not want to be discussed. Too because late. We've already brought it up. Yes, we are committed now. The subject in question here is what the heck is this game? Oh, oh, oh we're starting a new game show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So here's the the name. I'm going to give you the name of the game, and Mm -hmm. you tell me what you think it's about. Okay. The name of this game is White Girl. White Girl. Yes. I feel like it's almost going to be like a knockoff Barbie simulation. Mm, No. No, this is weirder than that. Is this like alien invasion, kidnap person who has to then take down the spaceship and totally destroy everything in light and sight? Nope, not that either. Want to okay. take one more try? It's a racing game. Nope. Here's okay. the premise. Got it. AI girls gain emotions as quote unquote color and try to become a human being. As they gain various emotions, their R, G, and B, that's red, green, and blue, status changes. The girls aim to make all those three status 255, which is a color called white. To be the white girl is the goal for the players. It also is the goal of worldview. This is a Japanese thing, isn't it? Yes, or possibly Korean or Chinese or Taiwan. But you can tell from the tr- from the description I gave, which is obviously translated. Yes. Yes, it is. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah, you're right. This was weirder than my first three guesses. It goes on. By gaining cards called Peace of Memory, you can update your girls and or attack opponents' girls. As the girls get updated, their bodies gain various colors. Colors are expressed in the three aforementioned values, which are R, G, and B. The values themselves become the girl's status and her appearance. Now, I'm sure this has a different connotation in Asia than here in... North America, and probably Europe too, but you call a game White Girl, you're going to have a very specific frame of reference here. 
Yeah, pretty much. Like if I was when you said it, I'm like, okay, so this is definitely not an American made game. Just because I don't think any American based uh, video game company, any or otherwise, would have the cojones to, to to name a game that, just because of some of the connotations that come with it. You know, because originally when you first said it, I had to. I was almost went to the movie White Chicks. <laughs> so we don't need to go this, any further than that. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna bring this little idea back. By surprise, I'm not going to tell Chrissy when I have one. And Chrissy, I don't want you to tell me when you have one. Okay, this is going to be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I figured this will be a nice new thing to just spice up the usual routine with. I think this idea. And also, if you guys have any suggestions yourselves, you can totally send it to us. And then me and James will try to figure it out. And then we will both look it up on the internet of what it actually is. So don't hesitate yeah. to add comments. And, and hey, if any of our regular guests are listening, come up with your own if you've, if you've got any. Yeah, I'm sure there's in. millions of these things on Steam you can find. Oh my god, Steam. <laughs> I hate to see what my Steam list looks like right now. <laughs> so, on to one of the things that has been taking most of the gaming world by storm. It feels like every company is making a version of this of their past consoles, and that is known as mini consoles. And which actually go back a lot further than I think most of us would realize. And it took me a moment, and then I kind of was like, okay, I know where... They used to be known as the plug-and-play consoles. Mm-hmm. Do you remember those where you used to have the little mini thing and it would have a certain set of games and you could plug it into your TV set and you had the controller and you can pick the games you wanted? Yep, I do indeed remember those. And the history, in fact, goes far deeper. And I'm going to get into that prehistory mm-hmm. right after this break. console concept begins with the Famiclone, otherwise known as the NES on a chip. Now, this is a long storied history of clone consoles, bootleg consoles, and so on, that Jeremy Parrish has an incredible video about. But pertinent to what we're talking about today are those consoles with games already built into them that you found in these shady little mall kiosks. That were ostensibly mm-hmm. set up to sell Yu-Gi-Oh cards. But every once in a while, one would slip through that was just these mini consoles. Yep. And these things are illegal as... Yeah. Wow. This is a first, people. James swore before me. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to censor it with a funny dig dug sound. Dang it. Because that's what I do. I know. I'm but, just I'm just surprised, like, wow, did James swore before I did. This is a first. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's scripted, but still. Now my memories of seeing these things at malls, I 
walked up to one of these wondering, what the heck is this? And I'm looking at this and I'm like, there's an Aladdin game on the NES. I pull it up and it's some generic Arabian themed game with a fellow wearing a turban and a vest and all that on a flying carpet. And I'm like, oh, this must be something from some B tier NES developer. And then I'm going further down the list and, oh, WWE, what's that? There's been a bunch of WWF games, so this could be any one of them. And it turns out to be Bandai's muscle game. (laughs) Oh, they were were so good at the bait and switch. They really Mm -hmm. were. Hi, this is Aladdin. You played it's a bad knockoff of Prince of Persia. A pre-Prince of Persia game, in fact. Jesus. I don't think it was Super Arabian by Sunsoft because that one didn't have a magic carpet. But, you know, no matter because, yeah. let's be honest, the only game these these things played well were the really simple ones, like Black Box era NES games and stuff from before that. Usually sound emulation would be terrible and on and on. And just about all these seem to include Mappy for some reason. But Mappy Mappy's was... A- Mappy's a a fun game, but the the ubiquitous of it is still odd, considering the game never had any traction on the NES here in the States, because it never got localized for it. Well, Mappy's probably also one of those games that you really didn't need to localize. Just throw it on there and, you know, kids don't care. It still never came out here in the States on the NES. Didn't, Didn't it come out on the Atari, though? Nope. Oh, so it never made it over here. It made it over here in the arcade. But not in the actual, like, home console. Not until, to my knowledge, uh, on the PlayStation 1 Namco Museum Volume 2. That's fair. That that's, That is a fair one. So. You know, I think it was a matter of timing, but we can talk about that when we talk about Namco Arcade Games, which is going to come up in November. Mm-hmm. And we will have Pemmy back for that. Oh, we better have Pemmy back for and that. We, and we will have his dear friend, Carrie Woodham. For <gasps> By the way, Carrie Woodham has a wonderful podcast called the Pizza Pixel Podcast, where he and his brother are slowly getting into some gaming topics. They got about three episodes out right now. It's a fun listen, very personal discussions about their memories of gaming. It just feels like you're listening on two old friends shooting the breeze about about what they had fun doing that's awesome so i wholeheartedly recommend checking it out folks and he did not pay me for this plug but we still love you yes oh my goodness so so that market wound up being a dead end thanks to fortunately legal action and it's these releases are why i'm less hard on the gray area stuff like raspberry pi and mame these days because, you know, I figure so long as you're buying the official authorized releases alongside doing that, you're golden in my book. But if you're somebody who honestly can't get the authorized releases because either A, they're not available, or B, they have not been released in the United States yet. Yeah, yeah, go for it. I mean, if you're looking for, like, Konami's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and your only options are either a $150... Uh, Cartridge cartridge or emulating or one of those arcade one-up dealies Mm -hmm. emulate yeah i I, as much as i love my developers trust i'm sorry guys but if your cartridge is going for five hundred dollars 
I'm going to emulate you. You know, I, I'm just <laughs> talking about the modern re-releases, you know, the stuff that comes oh, from, like, yeah. Hamster Corp. Oh, yeah. Like, I have, like, I have on my, I have on my, my, um, my recal boxes, I have all of the, uh, all of the games in the Mana series, and I still bought them for my for my Wii too. Yeah, because yeah. I know that takes that take like that that stuff. I I will always have two copies of one on my recal box and one on my Wii because you mean my your re- Switch? My Switch. Sorry, my Switch. <laughs> because I can take my Switch and walk downstairs with it. I can't do that with my recal box. True. Which my recal box may be showing up at FC three. Okay, I think. Uh... UI and uh, and Pemi are probably going to spend a little time with that post convention. Oh, very much so because you can. It's a plug and play. I can plug it in anything, and it mm-hmm. will play. So I'll have to put more games on it though. I got to put some Atari games on there because I know okay. you boys love your Atari. And if you get any ColecoVision, I'd be thrilled with the gills. Oh, it has a ColecoVision um, emulation on there. I didn't Perfect. realize it did until until like I looked at it the other day and I'm like, ooh, I got Coleco. So I might put some Coleco games on there too. I just got to find but, a good site for that. But speaking of Atari. <laughs> Tangent one. <laughs> that, that's okay. We can tie it back. True. True. So it's like a half tangent. Yeah. It's not quite tangent enough. It's the Diet Coke of tangents. Just just one calorie, not, not nearly tangent enough. Pretty much. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, that was an Austin Powers reference. Now we're tangenting <laughs> about tangents, too. It's it's tangentception. Yes. <laughs> okay. So back to Atari. Yes. So, yeah. Before I... tangent about tangentception, because I do have a tangent about that. <laughs> oh, do carry on about Atari. My God, I don't have enough alcohol in my system right now for this. Um, I have none, actually. So, Atari. Haha. So, one of the actual first, actual home, like, a lot of the plug-in plays that I remember seeing growing up were actually Atari games. Like, Pac-Man, Pong, Tanks, Circus. I lost the rest of them. But actually, in 2002, Atari was actually one of the first ones to release what can be considered a mini console. And that was the Atari 10 and 1 TV games. And it actually came inside a little joystick, that the, the well-known Atari joystick game. So you actually could just take it, plug it into your TV set, and you use the joystick to pick the games, there was 10 of them, and those 10 games were Adventure, Asteroids, Breakout, Centipede, Circus, Gravatar, Missile Command, Pong, Volleyball, and Yars Revenge. Sorry, guys, now, no Pac-Man in this one. Yeah, they, they would have had to have gone to Namco for those rights. But do you want to know the crazy thing about some of those Atari uh, TV consoles that were just the joystick? Yeah. Those were recreated for the NES to be used on an NES on a chip. Oh, really? Yeah, can you believe that? Oh my god, this is a perfect tie-in to what you were talking about. Exactly. Then they had a paddle version that came out in in 2004, and I'm sure some of these games are going to be on the chip too. But in that version, they had Breakout, Canyon Bomber, Casino, Circus Atari again, Demons to Diamonds, Night Driver, Steeplechase, 
Street Racer, Super Breakout, Video Olympics, which is what my sister always played, used to kick my butt in, Warlords, Pong, the arcade version, and then Warlords again, the arcade version. That's a neat one, I think, actually. What, Warlords or the Pong? No, the, or whole, the, the whole list. Yeah, that's actually that was for the paddle. So you had one that was the joystick and the other one was for the paddle. And while we're on that subject, uh, can you tell me a little bit more about Demons to Diamonds? Oh, Demons to Diamonds. So Demons to Diamonds was actually a fixed shooter game uh, that was actually made for the Atari 2600. And it was released in 1982. Uh, it was programmed by Nick Turner with the graphics actually done by Alan Murphy. Uh, Nick Turner actually previously ported Super Breakout to the 2600. So he was the one who helped put Super Breakout on the 20, Atari 2600. Um, it was basically made for kids from 6 to 12. And pretty much you operate a laser base at the bottom of the screen. And you pretty much use the paddle control to move by side to side to fire a laser beam up the play, player field. And what you were trying to do is you were trying to kill the demons. But you can only shoot the demons that match the color of your gun. So if you had like a red demon in a red gun, you could only shoot the red demons. If you were successful, the demon would transform into a diamond, which you could shoot for additional points. If, however, you hit a demon of a different color than your gun, the demon would transform into the skull, which would then shoot you with your own laser beam. And you could not destroy it. You had to avoid it. And it would disappear after a short time. You got one point for every demon and 10 points for every diamond you successfully shot. The points were then multiplied by the distance from the base to the target. So, for example, you shot a demon one row from above that was worth one point, but a demon shot four rows above was worth four points. So the further away the demon was from you that you killed, the more points you got. Okay. And, and it was actually a multiplayer game, too. So you would have one at the bottom of the screen that was one player, and then player two would be at the top of the screen shooting them. Oh, and you had to try to avoid shooting each other. Mm, all right. But diamonds, but diamonds were fair play. So if, let's say, you shot a demon and you got a diamond, the other player could steal the diamond. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Now, when I was a kid, I remember looking at the pamphlets for of Atari catalogs of what games they they had available and that name and the artwork for that game always fascinated me. So so thank you for that description, Chrissy. No problem. Yeah, that was one that when I saw on the list here, I was like, ooh, I don't remember that one. But I'm looking at it, and I'm like, man, I would have totally bought it. The original Atari um, ports, Minicons, were actually made by a company called Jax Pacific. And they actually were pretty well known for plug-and-play games. So you might see them pop up again. Yeah, Jax Pacific did some Namco ones. They have a lot of different Pac-Man ones. They've done... A bunch of licensed ones. There was a SpongeBob one where the controller was basically SpongeBob's head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The joystick was his nose. They did a quasi-original WWE one that took the underpinnings of, I want to say, one of the 16-bit games from LJN and did some updated graphics to reflect the modern roster. Oh, yeah. They have a whole bunch. I'm actually on their webpage right now. They have a Sonic plug-and-play... They have a Mario Brothers plug-and-play. They have a whole bunch of games that they do. Like, they, they currently are contracted by Disney to do a bunch of games for Disney with the Disney movies. 
they 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 don't just do video games. This is actually a company that does a whole lot of different things for kids. You know, they have co- action figures, costumes, dolls. They do the video games, obviously. RC game. They have um, radio control games, furniture. They do a whole lot. So, so Jax does a lot with um, kids and kid games and kid toys. So, mm. it's very interesting, like how diverse they are. Like, yeah, like they have. You can collect figures from Mario Brothers, but you can also get play sets, um, multi packs, plushies, vehicles. Ooh, what do they have for vehicles? I am so going to show up with one of those at the, at the con and have that drive around. <gasps> oh, dear. They have a Mario Kart one where you also have the banana peel. Um, and it's $14. Okay, you're, well, you're not going to be riding on that one, thankfully. Nope, I'll be driving that, though. I'll be sitting there going okay. like this with it for the con. Hey, listen, they put me in charge of the store. I'm going to have fun with that. <laughs> Okay, sorry, I'm back. <laughs> I got distracted. I apologize. <laughs> so, but after the um, the Atari, actually, here's one you would like. The next known considered retro style home console minicon that came out was the Namco Plug and Play. Yes, I do remember seeing this one, and I remember reading reviews of it, mm-hmm. saying that there were some odd issues. Yeah, like, unfortunately, did, I can't click on it and see, get more details, but... Yeah, like, for instance, I don't believe Dig Dug on that one quite scrolled correctly. So, oh. you know, because it had a little bit of a windowed view where they had the score on one side and the play field it, taking up the majority of the screen. Un- so it didn't... It wasn't a direct representation of the arcade original. It was a, sort of what it would do to account for the landscape mode of televisions and apparently there were a lot of different versions of this game oh there were they even have a pac-man one plug and play which had 12 classic pac-man games on it It looks like the pixelated pac-man is the controller Mm Mm-hmm. oh my god and it's for 120 no never mind Um, now it's for 120 dollars because it's been discontinued dude I totally would have bought that for you, too, for your birthday. <laughs> I'll find something better. <laughs> yeah, no matter what. I'm sure you'll come up with something cool. I always do. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that, that was the next one. And, and, and that's the thing is, is, is mini, they weren't really called mini councils back then. They were called plug-and-plays because you could just plug it into your TV and start playing. You didn't have to go through a whole lot of setup for it. You just plugged it in, went to the different output channel, you kids today have no idea how lucky you are that you don't have to go to channel three and flip the switch on the back of the TV set. Mm-hmm. We just found it moving was the switch that went in the back of the TV set that went from TV to computer. So if you oh, wanted to wow. play the video game, you had to go in the back, not only put it on channel three, but flip it to computer. And it was, and it was such a hard switch to switch. Cause it was like that old time. Like, are you sure you want to do this type switch? God, kids today's have it so lucky. They do, but, you know, that's half the point, really. Then after uh, the plug-and-play came the Atari Flashback, which 
is going to be the title of these next, which literally flashback is in the title of the next four councils I will be talking about. So there was the Atari flashback in 20, in 20, um, in 2004. 2004. And by the way, just so you know, there was the Atari flashback, Atari flashback two, Atari flashback three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and then finally X. And that one was released in 2019. Mm -hmm. And these guys here, so for the Atari flashback, they had Adventure, Air Sea Battle, Asteroid, Battle Zone, Breakout, Ken Bomber, Centipede, Charlie Chuck's Food Fight, Crystal Castles, Desert Falcon, Gravatar, Haunted House, Millipede, Planet Smashers, Saboteur, Skydiver, uh, Solaris, Sprint Master, Warlords, and Yar's Revenge. Now, some of those games, namely Asteroids, Centipede, Charlie Chuck's Food Fight, Desert Falcon, and Planet Smashers, were Atari 7800 games. Mm-hmm. And this would be one of the few times the flashback consoles would do that. Yeah. So, and and honestly, I could go through the list of all the way up to not only... So, so they had Flashback 2, 2 plus, 3, 4... Five, six, seven, eight, eight gold, eight gold Activision, Flash 9, Flash 9 Gold, Flash X, and Flash X Deluxe. I think Atari was trying to make up for hiding their, their thing for so long. I'm not going to go through all the games on the Flashback series, so if you guys want to check it out, just type in Atari Flashback Series Games and go to the Wikipedia article because it tells you which Flashback had which game, and it has the complete list of all of Atari-developed games. So the only games that were on here were those that Atari owned the rights to. All right, go ahead. It's with the third iteration of the Atari Flashback that one of the most notorious makers of these mini-consoles emerged at games mm-hmm. and oh i've got a bone to pick with at games but oh, not for the atari stuff because those are actually pretty passable mm-hmm. which ones were they well we'll talk about those in a bit because i do have a couple notable moments in the flashback history i want to mention like for instance the atari flashback 4 was, to my knowledge, the first time to introduce games whose rights were not held by either Atari or Activision. They had inked to deal with Taito to include games like Space Invaders. Mm-hmm. It was the first time that they actually were allowed to have Space Invaders on there. And it was big because, I guess, At Games also developed the Flashback 60, Atari Flashback 64, which was a Walmart exclusion version that had wired controls in only 64 games, including... Space Invaders. So there was a lot that went into that, into actually that game. That console had 75 games. And guys, the numbers are only going to go up from here of the number of games on the on the systems. Mm-hmm. But probably the, the next big addition would come along with Atari Flashback 7, which was 101 games, only up by one from the six. But that one game was Frogger. Ah, Frogger. That was that was a game that I would watch my sister play, and then I would try to play, and she did try to teach me how to play it, and I just wasn't getting it, no matter what. And today, with uh, current Atari flashback consoles, they've also got Data East rights, so they can include games like Burger Time, mm-hmm. and Burn and Rubber, 
And also with the gold editions, this was kind of cool. So you could get the regular flashback game and experience the frustration that children back in the 80s had to deal with, which was known as there was no pause button. The gold versions of these systems, however, came with a pause and a save, as well as a scan line filtering. So you know how sometimes we used to get those little lines that went across from the game? Yeah, this Mm -hmm. eradicated that. It also allowed you to do the rewind, the 30-second rewind. Yeah, so so yeah, these have gotten pretty advanced. So again, they're Atari versions. Pretty decent if you're just looking to play some Atari games real quick. Yeah. It's their Sega flashback consoles I have a beef with. Okay, we're not to that yet. That's coming yeah. up. We're not there you yet. You tell me when. I'll tell you when. So the next one that came out... In the idea. So there was probably about a 10-year period between mini consoles coming out. So the Atari flashbacks still were kind of being put out at this time. But there wasn't really another console that came that had released their own version of a flashback until ColecoVision in 2014 with the ColecoVision flashback. But that's funny. I thought Intellivision came before that. Nope, but Television came out... Just after, by a few months, official release day for them was a few months. So, yeah. So then Coleco came out. Then a television came out a few months later. And I'm telling you, it was like a matter of like a few months. It was not much. And then the television, they came out with their flashbacks. So you could play their old games on there. And then after that. In 2015, came the ZX Spectrum Vega. Oh, that had to have gone over big in England. It was huge in England, England, and Australia. Because the Specky, as they affectionately call it over there, was one of the standards for microcomputers during the 80s. Whereas we here in the States and in Japan went in the console direction mostly, they went the cassette and floppy disk direction, and the Spectrum is probably one of the most ironically named consoles, because back then, it was considered very colorful, but as it got older, and had to compare with the Amiga and the Atari ST, it quickly became a relic. Yes. People kept making games for it, because it was... It still had such a huge install base, and they made money. And they still do. It um, it actually was crowd this the um, the retro video game console or the mini console for the Specky actually was crowdfunded on Indiegogo. So Retro Computers announced that they were going to do it for a hundred pounds, and the backing of Cleve St. Clair as an investor. So Cleve St. Clair. He was an inventor. He was an entrepreneur. He was in charge of something known as Sinclair Radiodonics in 1961. He was the one who came up with the first slimline uh, pocket calculator. He was into. He was big into producing home computers in England. He was actually the UK's first. He created the UK's first mass market home computer for less than a hundred pounds. And he was also one of the people who helped created the Specky. And so when they decided to put out this mini council, he decided um, he actually backed it. He he put money in it. He invested in it because he thought it was a really, really good idea to bring it back. And on the Specky, there was over a thousand preloaded titles. 
with the ability to, now this is the first one that actually allowed the user the ability to manipulate it so you could add more. Hmm, okay. And you could also put an SD card in it. So you can know. Very nice. There. So that went over, because... so that was big in England. And because of how big this council went over in England, guess what that paved way for? The Commodore 64 Mini? Nope, not yet. Was this, is this our Sega one? Uh, nope, this will be, the Sega came after this one. This was the one that kicked it off in the United States and it sold out. And it was cheap as heck to get it. And I wanted one and never got one because by the time that I realized that it was here, I was it was too late. In 2016, the NES Classic became a thing. Okay, the Sega consoles came before that. Did they come before that? All right, then I'm going to let you take over Sega. I thought they came like just afterwards. Uh, because App Games had a bunch of them be- beforehand. All right, I'm and going to hand it over to you so you can go after App Games for their Sega consoles. Go. So the reason App Games has its name is because they would advertise 80 games, AT games, on their Sega systems. The problem is... Only half of these games were actual Genesis titles. The rest, remaining 40, were these awful little bits of shovelware that were not in no way anything people would necessarily consider an attraction. But they, AT Games just kept putting them on over and over and over while there would still be glaring omissions in their actual Sega catalog. Now, you'd have your Sonic games, you'd have Columns and Altered Beast. They'd get the rights to the Mortal Kombat trilogy, but they leave out the Streets of Rage games, for instance. Yeah, that's one way of getting your butt whooped. And the worst of it is, the emulation on this was garbage. The sound was pitched way down. On the emulation, it was, I mean, if you grew up hearing that famous Green Hill Zone music on a Sega Genesis, which I'm going to insert a snippet of right here. And then you play the At Games version. I'm going to insert a snippet of how it sounded on it here. It sounds like a depressed version of the song. What and eventually here's the thing is is from what I understand is at games didn't ever fix that problem. The person who ended up fixing it was a fan. Like a fan actually hacked it and fixed it and then gave put the patch out there so people who had the game system could just download the patch and the patch would fix fix all of the sound problems like they didn't like at games didn't even bother putting out a fix for this or apologizing it was fans who did it mhm and these games were also constantly plagued with freezing issues especially on the mortal kombat titles oh and that's the worst game to have freezing issues no kidding like that game is so like split second. Like I'm not a I am not a fighter game person, but even I know in those games, 
every little bit counts. Absolutely. And sometimes it would just lock up. Yeah. Even worse. Yeah, I typed in, I typed in at game Sega issues and literally all of them are about, are literally how to troubleshoot the game system. And they all say up front, not to call at games, they will not fix the problem. Like they're all like, this is what you need to do. There's one that even says, do not buy at home Sega Genesis flashback council. It is not worth your money. I mean, this is bad when GameSpot is saying, I mean, if you want to play this game, buy an emulator. Like, that's what they're saying Mm -hmm. in these reviews. I'm like, wow, I've never seen someplace like GameSpot actually sit there. Oh, my God. Like, how badly can you, like, it's sound. How can you screw up sound? You tell me. Like, oh, my God. It's like the simplest part, and it makes the game. Like, shoot me now. And they didn't just do it with the Mega Drive mini console too. Didn't they do that with the other ones as well? They they did it with uh I don't believe there was a Master System one here in the States. Mm-hmm. Maybe there was one in Europe or Brazil because that those were the two markets the Master System had the most traction. Yeah, but they have it looks like in 2005. Well, the 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 Mega Drive ones were actually made by Radica Games. Um, and that was the Mega Drive Genesis Play TV Legend, Legends and the Sega Mega Drive Genesis Play TV Legends Volume 2. Oh, it looks like they did do a Mega Drive Twin Plaid one in 2008. Almost looks like after that point, like some, like it's almost like Sega like yanked it out of At Game's hand and was just like, nope, you're done. Yeah, we'll get into Sega's own version, which is vastly superior in terms of both games lineup and emulation. After we talk about Nintendo's two forays into this market. Then they actually have more than two. They actually had a couple. So there was the Nintendo and uh, Nintendo Classic, which came on 2016 and was the hot game for that year's Christmas. Oh, you better believe it. I remember taking the day off that day and racing all around Greece, New York trying desperately to find one and some stores only got two copies some stores only got four and on and on and i was and i eventually came home despondent well you know that's how actually i got my recal box at the time i was um i was dating a, a friend of mine who worked at walmart so he was trying to get the classic system for me because it was what 30 bucks it was like the ch- it, w- it was all these classic games for 30 dollars like it was the best deal ever it was 60 it was at 60 i wonder yeah, oh yeah it was you, the price of the a number game. of games was 30 so basically two bucks a game yeah so and which was what cheap- games indeed and he felt so bad he couldn't get it for me that he built me my first recal box so i could play the games and he downloaded all the games on there for me so that's how I got into the pie gaming. But here were the games that were actually on that Nintendo game. Now, these are just the North America and PAL region games. Japan got a different set of games based off of what was big in Japan at the time. So that's mm-hmm. why there's there's some differences. Uh, so Nintendo, North America, Nintendo, and PALs got Balloon Fight, Bubble Bobble, Castlevania, Castlevania 2, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., Double Dragons to the Revenge, Dr. Mario, Excite Bite, Final Fantasy, Galica, 
Ghosts and Goblins, Gradius, Ice Climber, Kid Icarus, Kirby Adventure, Legend of Zelda, duh, Mario Brothers, duh, uh, Mega Man 2, Metroid, Ninja Gaiden, Pac-Man, Punch Out featuring Dr. Green, or did, uh, Mr. D- Mr. Dream, sorry, mm-hmm. Star Tropics, Super Contra, Super Mario Brothers, duh, Super Mario Brothers 2, duh, uh, Super Mario Brothers 3, duh, you, you didn't have those on there, it's not a Nintendo game, Tecmo Bowl, and Zelda 2, The Venture of Link. Now, I remember when this system was announced, I was about 90% satisfied with that games list. I was too. The game, other games that were not put on here that I did want on there, I actually looked and it was because Nintendo didn't have the rights. Some of the Capcom games that weren't put on here were actually because Capcom was planning to do a, um, a collection release of their own games. So that's why they, like, that's why they kind of, then put them on there like a lot of the Mega Man games. I'm right. actually kind of surprised they got Mega Man 2. Well, Mega Man 2 is one of the iconic NES releases. Yeah. But for yeah. me, some of the biggest omissions were Tetris, mm-hmm. but those rights were held up by the Tetris company. Well, and also the thing is Tetris was not as well known on the Nintendo platform as it was on the on the Game Boy. True. So I would I would more likely I would be more likely to see Tetris showing up on like an Atari than I than I would on a on an NES. Um, they did release a Game Boy Mini, um, and it was what? On you didn't know about the Game there, Boy. There Mini? hasn't been a Game Boy Mini officially released by Nintendo. No, I didn't say officially released. No, 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 no. Now you're getting ahead of me. Well, if if you're gonna. You got you got to lead with unofficial. You, you're gonna are you gonna throw me off? I will totally. <laughs> well, that's payback for the first for what we did at the top of the show. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I got you. All right. No, but there was an unofficial, and actually, it was it was official, but not official. I guess is the best way to put it. It was kind of done for Burger King. Oh, that's different then. Yeah, it was like official, but not official. They also did the Famicom version of this as well which has i got those games you got the famicom one yeah i i I got i got the game list in front of me i can read this off for you you've been running at the mouth rest (laughs) of your voice i will rest you go so i think we actually dodged a bullet here because alphabetically the first game on here is atlantis no nazo which is one of the earliest sunsoft games that they made specifically for the nes and it's not great we also had Downtown Niketsu Koyushinku. These are and and Monogatari, which means Japan got River City Ransom and we didn't. Boo. Boo. There would be Final Fantasy 3, but you know, this was Japan's Final Fantasy 3, which didn't come out here on the NES, so you know. Six of one, half a dozen of another. They, the original Japanese one did not have the first Final Fantasy. So I, I call that an even trade. I think it's an even trade. NES Open Tournament Golf. Now that would have been neat to include because golf games and the NES are synonymous, especially given Satoru Iwata's history with them. Yeah, it might, my dad used to like playing that game. And another one that we missed out on that I would have liked to have had, Solomon's Key. 
Oh my God. Yes. Yes. That I saw that on my list that we didn't get Solomon's key. And I'm like, boo. And the last two are one, a Koei game I've never heard of. Sapari Ozumo. And finally, the NES version of Konami's Yi-R Kung Fu, which is inferior to the arcade version. So you know, we could have missed it. Yeah, we dodged a bullet with a few of those. And also at the same time that that came out, so did the Famcom edition of it, which was more for Japan than for us. Right. And then, which had those games I listed. Mm-hmm. And then came the Nintendo, the Super Nintendo Classic Edition. And this one I had no problem getting a hold of. Yeah, this one didn't do as as well, I guess. More like they actually printed more, had more supply. I think they learned is the best yeah. one for this one. Because because when I went to the Target the day of release out in, uh, I want to say, Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. they had like 20. Yeah, and that made, that makes sense. So with this one here... Here's what we got on the PALS North American region. We got Contra 3, The Alien War, Donkey Kong Country, Earthbound, which is my one of my favorite RPG games. It's so stinking cute. F-Zero, Final Fantasy VI, Kirby Superstar, Kirby Dream Course, uh, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, Mega Man X, Secret of Mana, Star Fox, Star Fox 2, uh, Super uh, Street Fighter 2 Turbo Hyper Fighting, Super Cansylvania, Super Ghouls and Ghosts, Super Mario Kart, Super Mario RPG, which is probably one of the best Super Mario RPGs out there. It's one of the first ones and it's better than Paper Mario ever thought of being. And I like Paper Mario. Super Mario World, Super Metroid, Super Punch-Out, and Yoshi's Island. And also the special hidden game. Oh, yes. They didn't put that on this list, so you tell them what the special hidden game is. You had to complete a level in Star Fox to unlock the previously unreleased, but completed, Star Fox 2. Oh, I said Star Fox 2. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought there was another one. Okay, never mind. Yeah, that that was how you got that was how you got access to Star Fox Two. Okay, I, I must have missed it when you said it. It's okay because I so, wasn't reading along with the list. Oh, that's fine. So obviously, at the same time this came out, they did Super Famicom version. So Super Famicom didn't get Earthbound, but they did get Fire Emblem: The Mystery of the El- Emblem, which I guess is a good trade off. Yeah. They didn't get uh, Kirby's Dream Course, but they did get Legend of the Mystical Ninja, and I'm pissed about that, because that is such a fun game. Yeah, the Goemon games never really got any traction here in the States. I think Konami just thought they were too Japanese to get over. I've played Legend of the Mystical Ninja, and that is like one of the most fun games you can play. And I really wish, I, I really hope, that Konami will eventually do an English translation and release of them as a collection because Mm -hmm. they're just so funny and they're so well done. They also got Panel de Pon, um, which we did not get in the uh, PALS version. They did not get Street Fighter Turbo or Super Cancelvania. They did not. Didn't the Japanese version get Super Street Fighter 2? The ch- new challengers, yes, they did. So that was their trade-off. Uh, they did not get Super Punch-Out, but they did get Super Soccer, which makes sense because soccer is big over there. So that kind of makes sense that they got Super Soccer. 
And if you don't know what Panel de Pon is, that is actually the original Japanese version of Tetris Attacks. So they did get a Tetris game. And Star Fox 2 actually was supposed to be released in 1996, but it was canceled towards the end of its development. So it was a completely developed game, but at the time it was supposed to be released for the Super Nintendo, the Super Nintendo was being discontinued. So it had not been released. So the Super Nintendo Classic was the actual official release of Star Fox 2. Yeah, they they did not release it originally because... The Nintendo 64 was coming along with its actual 3D graphics, and they figured mm-hmm. Star Fox 2 would just look too antiquated next to those. Mm-hmm. So they just discontinued. It was a completed game, and it never got released. Now tell me, Chrissy, do you know about the limited edition NES Classic, or rather Famicom Classic, that only came out in Japan the year after that? I did not know about that. Please tell me more. Okay, well... This one was a limited gold Famicom Mini with all properties tying in to Shonen Jump. What? Yes. What? what, what? Yes. This... Damn them. Well, actually, don't, because most of these games were rubbish. Ah. We're talking, you remember when I mentioned that muscle tag team game that was on a NES on a chip console I saw? Yes. That's on there. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, the I very, take it back now. The uh, the very early Dragon Ball games are on there. Those are and actually we, kind of fun. Yeah, like but bad, remember but we fun. got the very first one here is Dragon Power? Mm-hmm. And that was rubbish? True. Very, very true. About the only one that I know for a fact has aged reasonably well that's on this thing is Dragon Quest. Well, yeah, because Dragon Quest actually has been re-released on the Switch. Right. They've updated it, which I'm surprised they have not put those out as a collection. That would be kind of smart on their part. So, Oh, wait, I take it back. I take it back. There is another one in here that is actually probably aged very well. We got Capcom's Tenchi Okurao, which is not a Tenchi Muyo game. It is, in fact released here in the United States by Capcom as Destiny of an Emperor. That was a good game. Yeah, it's a, it's an RPG that uh, takes place in the same time period as the Dynasty Warriors games Justin and I talked about a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually that is your your that is actually a really good game Destiny of an of an Emperor. I like that. That was a good one. Yeah, but the rest of these are to anime properties. We got Captain Subasa in here. We've got, uh, of course, Fist of the North Star. Oh my god, I love Fist of the North Star. That's such a good anime. And I, that's probably a very decent game. I'm trying to think of what else. The, 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 the other anime game. I want to say that that one there, if I, if I remember correctly, was actually based off of... It's actually based off of a mascot. I can't remember. But I will tell you that after that year, in 2018, came out the C64 Mini. There we go. Which is the Commodore 64, and that was put out by Retro Games Limited. 
And then at this also at the same time, the Neo Geo Mini came out. So this is when we started putting minis to the games. Um, actually, no, I'll take that back. Well, this is actually when minis started becoming the name part of the names. The Nintendo versions came out were called classics. They weren't called minis. They right. were called minis in Japan, but they weren't called minis here. The name they actually started putting mini to the uh, councils that came out was actually, uh, from what I can see from my research, was actually the C64 Mini was the first one with the actual name Mini attached to it, hence giving the rise to Mini councils. And then they had the Neo Geo Mini came out that same year, as well as the um, the PlayStation Classic. Oh, that that was never going to satisfy everybody. They, they, I'm sorry, but PlayStation should have just sat this one out. I'm, I'm really sorry. I was like, I, as soon as I heard that they announced it, I'm like, dude, just go back. You're, you're, no one, no one is going to be satisfied with the game list you put out. Everyone's going to nitpick it, and you know what? They all did. So, but to- speaking of that game list, I do <laughs> want to pull it up real quick. Oh, I already have it in front of me. Well, I got to put it in front of me too. This is fair. They tried. They really tried. They did. They had Final Fantasy VII, Metal Gear Solid, Tekken 3, Twisted Metal. These are solid choices. Resident Evil Director's Cut. These these are fairly iconic PlayStation experiences, but there were so many PlayStation games. Everybody had their own individual experience with them. I know a lot of people took issue with the fact that they didn't put Gradius on there. Or Parasite Eve. Those were the two big ones that people were furious that were not put on the PALS and North American edition. Those were put on the Japanese, Taiwan, and Hong Kong edition. So it was like, so North America, PALS, South Korea, and South Asia didn't get um, some of the games. But Japan, Taiwan, and Hong Kong did. And I also know that Japan... And Taiwan and Hong Kong were also pissed by the fact that we got Twisted Metal. What was the other one? I want to say it was Odd World, Abe's Odyssey. Like, and if you ever played an Odd World game, those are they're very strange games, but they are kind of fun. And I know that there was like both sides were ticked over what the like. It's like you got that, but you we didn't get that. Like why? You know, it was there was they weren't going to satisfy anybody with this. No, they really weren't. They they had. Odd inclusions too. Oh, Intelligent yeah. Intelligent Cube has no traction today. Mm-mm. You know, Battle Arena to Shinden has aged so poorly. And while I love Mr. Driller, it's kind of an odd fit. Yeah, it this. was kind of like they put it on there just just I don't you know, I'm still trying to figure out why it's on there actually. That's actually my like I'm like, why why Mr. Driller? Of all the games, why that one? It was probably um, easy to emulate. That's maybe it. It may just come down to the ease of emulation. And then in 2019, we had coming out was the Sega Genesis Mini. And this is probably the Cadillac of the bunch, because in terms of number of games and quality of games, this is nearly all killer, no filler. Yeah, this one here had, um, for the PALS region in North America, it had Alex Kidd, Alicia Dra- Dragoon, 
Altered Beast, Beyond Oasis, which is a really fun game, Castle of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse, Castlevania Bloodlines, Columns, Comic Zone, Contra Hard, uh, Hard Corpse, Darius, Dr. Robotnik's uh, Mean Bean Machine, Dynamite Hetty, Earthworm Jim, Echo the Dolphin, Internal Champions, Ghouls and Ghosts, Golden Axe, uh, Gunstar Hero, Kid Chameleon, Landstalker, Light Crusader, uh, Mega Man The Wily Wars. Its first official release. That was its first official release. Outside of of downloadable services. Mm -hmm. It was the first time it was actually on a console. Like a hard console. Um, Monster World 4, uh, Fantasy Star 4. Road Rash 2, Shining Force, but not Shining Force 2. That was the one I didn't understand. Uh, Shinobi 3, The Return of the Ninja Master. Sonic Spinball, Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Duh, if you did not put these on a Sega Genesis classic, you're crazy. Um, That was one of their big ones. Space Harrier 2, Street Fighter 2, Special Champion Edition, Streets of Rage 2. Finally got the Streets of Rage on there. Mm -hmm. Um, Strider. Strider. I know we just made a whole lot of other people happy by saying that name. Oh, yeah. Super uh, Fantasy Zone. Tetris. There you go. Uh, Thunder Force 3. Toe Jam and Earl. Oh, my God. That was such a fun game. Vector Man. Virtua Fighter 2. Wonder Boy and Monster World. Woo! World of Illusion. Which is the other Mickey Mouse game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they Sega went all out for this. I mean, for goodness sakes, they negotiated with Disney. Which actually yeah. got my hopes up a little bit because I figured, hey, Sega made some really neat Spider-Man and X-Men games. And Disney holds those rights too, but not to be. Well, Disney, Disney, at the, Disney holds the rights to those franchises, but I don't believe they hold the rights to the video games. Yeah, but Sega themselves made them, so they would be holding the rights. This is true. So I, I don't know. Um, there were. I guess a couple they just of, decided they weren't as important. I, you know what? It's a, either that or it was like, okay, we got these. We're not pushing it. Hmm. One of the games that did not make it on here, and I have somewhat played on emulation, is Rent a Hero. Okay. And pretty much, Rent a Hero is exactly as it sounds. So, the Rent-A-Hero, or Toro Yamada, um, lives in the town of Korjai in Japan with his mother, eccentric father, and younger sister, Alyssa. The family moved there after his father changed jobs. He received his combat armor by accident during their housewarming party when he ordered a pizza from the sensational cafeteria, or Seca, instead of receiving the, and instead received the suit. After realizing the suit gave him incredible strength and that he is required to pay for the armor, he decides to become a hero for hire, performing various heroic tasks and odd jobs in the town. It's an interesting game. Now, you want to know the coolest thing about, about this Genesis mini console? What's that? Switching the language menu allows for multiple regional game variations to be played. For example, Contra Hardcore can be played with the English or Japanese setting, but with other languages, Contra is substituted by its European counterpart, Probotector. While switching the language from English into Japanese turns Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine into Poyo Poyo, and vice versa. What? Yeah, isn't that neat? That is kind of neat. 
And two of those games you listed off, Darius and Tetris, are new conversions, never released for the original console. Very nice. That's and there's cool. just one left of the really big ones that I want to make sure we mention. Well, I have two, actually. One is the TurboGrafx-16 Mini that came out in 2020. Y'all might have missed it because, you know, we had some big thing that happened. And the Amiga is having one come out in 20... Amiga 500 is having a mini console come out in 2022. Now, I want to make a point to get a hold of this TurboGrafx one. There's a lot of those games passed me by, and there are some genuinely brilliant ports of some good games like Galaga 88. Oh, yeah, they have um, Airzonk. Aldinus, Alien Crush, Apparel Gate Ball, oh, Opera Gate Ball, Blazing Lasers, Bomberman 93 and 94, and Panic Bomber, Bonk's Adventure, Bonk's Revenge, Kadash, Castlevania Rodondo of Blood, Chu Man Fu, China Warrior, Sho Anaki, Dragon Spirit, Dr- Dungeon Explorer, Fantasy Zone. I want Zone. to quickly interrupt. Dungeon Explorer is brilliant, I hear. Oh, yeah, I've heard that, too, and I really want to play it. Fantasy Zone, Galaka 88, the Gen the G and the Hanaki Clans. I apologize if I screw that up. Ghouls and Ghosts. I'm noticing a lot of ghouls and ghosts on, on, on each one of these systems. Yeah. Ginka Fuki Densatsu Sapphire. Gradius, Gradius 2. JJ and Jeff. Jasenki Necromancer. Lords of Thunder, Military Madness, Moto Rotor, Newtopia, Newtopia 2, New Adventure Island, Ninja Gaiden, Ninja Spirit, Parasol Stars, Power Golf, Psychosis, R-Type, Salamander, Senri Senshi Springa, Snatcher, Soldier Blade, Space Harrier, Splatterhouse, Sprigmark 2, the Re-Terraformer Project, Space Parator, Super Darius, Super Mototoro Dentatsu 2, uh, Superstar Soldier, those two are not on here, uh, Valkyrie No Densu, Victory Run, and Y in Wise Book Yeast. 1, Yeast Book 1 and 2. I always say it wrong. I was looking, I'm like, I want to say Wise, but it's not. Yeast. Book one now, and two. one of those games is a Hideo Kojima game, right? Yes, one of them was done by Hideo Kojima. It was actually one of his first games. Only I could pick out which one. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. And then, then they came out after the after um before TurboGrafx sixteen, they did come out with another uh, C sixty four Minicon. So it's like version two. Uh, and pretty much that's it. Also coming out in to be determined though is PC Classic Mini Console by Unit E Technologies and Mini and the PC Classic is supposed to be all the classic PC games on there. I'm gonna have to look that one up. Have they announced any games yet? Nope. It's still it's still under development. It's to be determined. They have not. All they did is at one point say this is what we're doing and then walked away. And then a couple of actual ga- gaming companies have come out with um, their version of minis. So Capcom came out with, in, tw- in this year actually, called Retro Station. And Tato came out with the Tato Arcade, Arcade Selection Mini. So those look like those are some other mini consoles with just their games on them. Now, if you want to buy a mini console, 
which ones to buy. So there is actually a list online of different one of the best ones to buy. The 12 best ones. Would you like me to go through the list, James? Or would you like me to just tell sure. people to look it up? Go through the list. All right. So number 12 is the Atari Mini Arcade. And what this is, it's, it's a small mini console that looks like an arcade cabinet. And it does have some games on there. There is no knockoff product. Um, it actually looks pretty cool. The other one is the Game Boy Mini. Kind of, you could, these actually were from Burger King. And people have actually modified these. So like I said, it's official but not official. They were officially distributed by Burger King. And then um, people who like to do retro modding have given them a new life. And it actually includes preloaded games from the original Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance. And some people got really, really, really ambitious and put some Nintendo games on there too. Game Gear Micro was another one that came that kind of came out, kind of didn't come out. Um, Game Boy, the Game Gear Minis actually come in four colors: black, blue, yellow, and red. Black has Outrun, Puyo Puyo Tsu, Royal Stone, and Sonic the Hedgehog. The blue has Baku Baku Animal, Sikai Sika Kukari, Senshuchen, Gunstar Heroes, Sonic and Tails, and Sylvian Tail. Yellow has Nazo Payu, Arino Ru, Shining Force, Shining Force 2, and Shining Force The Final Conflict. But it wasn't really the final conflict because they came up with another Shining Force after that. So mm. just so you know. Uh, the red is actually Columns, the Gigi Shinobi, Megi Tenshigaden. Last Bible, Magi Tenshi in the Last Bible Special. Then there was the one, number ninth place, is Atari Flashback 8 Gold, which we did talk about. Right. The one that we didn't talk about, which was only released in Japan, is Sega's Astro City Mini. There was a limited run of those uh, for the States via limited run games. Yes, Sadly, that sold out much quicker than most of us think in number seven place is the turbo graphic 16 mini number six place is the neo geo mini international fifth is this is the commodore 64 mini in fourth place is the sega mega drive mini yeah i wouldn't go with that one third place is the nintendo classic mini second place is playstation 2 classic and first place is this is the Super Nintendo Classic Mini. All they right. said the only reason why they could not put the Sega Genesis Mini on there is they felt that it blew everybody else out of the water. Mm. They wanted it to be a fair advantage. Fair enough. Well, with that out of the way, we're going to take a short break, and we will have this day in gaming history and a quick FC3 update right after this break. Want to support the Irregulars? Head over to www.patreon.com backslash FC3ROC. We're part of the media division of Flower City Comic Con, based in Rochester, New York. We're a nonprofit group 
everything we make off of Patreon and everything else we do goes right back into putting on our future conventions and other events, from reserving the facilities to bringing in guests. If you pledge any amount, even a slim dollar, you will receive improved access to my blog entries, where every Tuesday I go over current video game news and write retrospectives on old school arcade games, all delivered conveniently to your inbox. There's plenty of other perks and rewards, and if you don't see what you're looking for, reach out to the crew. They'll be happy to work with you. Want to get a hold of us in particular? You can email Christy directly at k-r-i-s-s-i at fc3roc.org and me at j-a-m-e-s at fc3roc.org. At the moment, we're still working out most social media matters, but we are indeed on Facebook at Gaming Street Irregulars. Chrissy and I are fairly frequently there sharing news and things we find cool, and begging, I mean asking, for your questions and answers to be used in upcoming episodes. Yeah, asking, that's the ticket. We love hearing from you all, whether you have praise, constructive criticism, or just want to share something cool and gaming-related yourselves. Also, wherever you find FC3 on social media, we're usually not too far behind, so if you reach out to them with something for us, they'll get it to us shortly. Legally speaking, all music, sound effects, voice clips, and so on are the properties of their respective owners. We make no claim to them and have no intention of profiting off of them. Please don't sue us. We have nothing you'd want. What a difference a week makes, folks, because when I did This Day in Gaming History last week, I had to really scrape the bottom of the barrel. This week, I'm having a hard time choosing. <laughs> it's feast or famine. So I'm just going to go with the oldest one on this list because it actually coincides with one of the mini consoles we talked about. In 1983, was on September 9th, was the Japanese release of the NES version of Mario Brothers. Ooh. And this is actually notable because Mario Brothers was a new game in arcades that very year. You know, before that, arcade games would take a year or two to come out on the consoles. So this was basically Nintendo saying to their Japanese audience, hey, this is where we want you to put your focus now. This is this is where we want our market to be. Mm-hmm. And it was a good port. Yeah, it was not a bad port. I played that. I didn't play Mario Brothers on the Nintendo. I actually played it on the, the Atari 60, uh, 5600. The, uh, the 5200, you mean? 5200. Okay, cool, 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 cool. You know me. I always screw up the numbers. It's That's math. That's okay. That, it, I look at math and then I, I keep scrolling to avoid responsibility. Atari's numbering is a bit of, of an oddball anyway. Fair enough. So, let's talk FC3. On Indeed. September 25th and 26th at the Total Sports Experience in Gates. Tickets, of course, on sale at www.fc3roc.org and at local comic shops in the Rochester area. Chrissy and I now both know for sure where we're going to be. Chrissy already mentioned she's going to be at the store where she'll be harassing customers with a little Mario Kart RC vehicle. As soon as it gets here. I just ordered and, it. And I will be up at one of the panel rooms on both days, uh, helping out with operations there and keeping things sanitized and clean and disinfected. So we, we are taking every precaution necessary, and we have confirmed that masks will be required indoors. Indeed. But we will have outdoor functions as well. We've got a long list of food trucks 
that are going to be coming in. We also are having on the ending of FC3 on Saturday out in the fields themselves, we are doing the Illuminaries of the Relay for Life, part of the American Cancer um, Cancer Society's fundraising. So you can actually, when you come to the FC3, you can actually purchase a bag for a dollar and decorate it, and we would put it out in the field uh, for the Illuminaries, uh, the closing of the Relay for Life fundraiser, which would be very beautiful. I have seen it before in the past, and it is a very beautiful um, ending ceremony for a cause that helps bring comfort to so many people and, and their families and survivors and family members who survived the loss of someone with cancer. So, mm. yeah, definitely come out. It is a good cause. Absolutely. So we're going to actually just uh, leave it on that thought right there. And folks, thank you so much for tuning in. For Chrissy Harding, I'm James Irish. As always, game on. Bye, everyone.